0: Hey Soraya, how's it going?
1: Hey Jeff, how you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Good afternoon and welcome to Decision Twenty Twenty. <laughs> oh no. No. So <laughs> sorry about that. So here we are your, in a... <laughs>
1: your go to place for yeah. <laughs> for uh for Paisley Underground and political commentary.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. We're not gonna do that. We're not gonna no. do that. So so in the U.S., we're we're still trying to figure out who our next president is going to be, and yeah,
1: we'll,
0: we'll, hopefully tight. we'll figure that out soon. And hopefully every vote counts, and it, it's all legit, and we get in there who America wants in there. So
1: well, let's just let's just get someone in there and have yes. But, but one
0: thing that I think all of us can agree on is that Matt Devine is an awesome musician, and he is our guest today.
1: Yeah, um, it's interesting when you think about it because Matt's been really active over the past couple of years with different projects. But we're actually going to be taking a look at a period of his life when he was not in Los Angeles, but rather in Austin, Texas.
2: Yeah,
1: And um, looking at um, an album that he released recently, called uh, A Distant Present which is a selection of 10 songs from that period but also we wanted to talk to him about a couple of other things from Austin from that period of time so I don't know Jeff should we get started?
0: Yes let's do it. I am anxious to get this going
1: Let's go Hi this is Soraya
0: and this is Jeff
1: our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme,
0: a podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes.
1: We hope you'll join our conversation and without further ado, aguruviar.
0: Let's get groovy. groovy. Okay, let's add Matt Divine to this call. Matt, join this party. Hello? Hello, good evening, Matt. How are you doing?
1: Hey, how are you?
0: We're doing great. We're doing great. We're really excited to get to talk to you tonight. Yes.
3: Oh, awesome. Thank you. Okay, so we'll kick in. We'll officially start now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, segue. Deep
1: yeah. uh-huh. no, it, but it But it is true, Matt. You know, Jeff and I say it a lot. One of the saving graces of... This entire time of COVID and quarantining and, you know, this crazy election is music has been this really lovely um, consoler, distractor, animator, uh, encourager, and then you gift us with this album, A Distant Present, which Jeff and I really enjoy and you know, I we want to encourage people to go and take advantage of of the fact that it's out there. But it begs the question. I, first of all, I I love the the title you gave it, distant present. Tell us why this moment in time, this was the right time to release this and to share it.
3: Well, thanks for all that. It, I'm, it makes me feel great that you like it. Um... That's a good question. You know, with with uh, with with calling it a distant present, I recorded this stuff a while ago in the in the you know mid thousands, uh, late or the aughts, whatever we call that decade. And um, it, you know calling it a distant present, it, it 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 seems like a long time ago. But it also listening to it really takes me back to those good times, making music with those good people. And so it seemed like an appropriate thing to call it. Um, as far as how this happened, um, you know, in this COVID era of just ha- having that time alone to kind of sift through things, um, you know, I, I was inspired by Brad Laner, who's been releasing a lot of records on on Bandcamp, right. and uh, you know, Derek C from the Gentle Cycle, he he his band releases a lot of stuff on on Bandcamp. So I checked it out, and um, it, it's a really great way to share music and to hear new music. So, I, you know, I, I, I got and learned that and I, I knew I had this music that I liked that I recorded. So I cracked open the, the hard drives and, and the laptop and just was kind of put together the best mixes of the best stuff that I had. And it, I, I really felt like it, it, it kind of came together quickly with, with sourcing out the, the stuff that I recorded. And, um, you know, I figured no better time than, than the present to kind of put this out there when, when there's something like Bandcamp to, to release it through
0: yeah, I'm, we're really glad that you did, and this, it was kind of uh, a surprise. As Soraya mentioned, that this came out, and we know your work with Permanent Green Light, um, w- with Medicine. We've talked to you about both of those projects, and also you were also involved with Possum Dixon, um, ventilator, and Elevated Lines, that we want to talk to you a little bit about later. Um, so, h- was this um, these songs that you that you've released as a distant present? Was it any different than any of those other projects? And can you tell us about the people that you collaborated with on this project?
2: Yeah,
3: absolutely. Um, I think what made it different was, you know, I've always kind of moved at my own, uh, on my own, time table with 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 music on my own. That's outside of a band uh, per se. Um, even with ventilator, um, it 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 was uh, just I would do it when I when I got and when I got something done was when it got done. Um, but with this, it, there was really no ambition involved with it whatsoever, and that was a real liberating feeling of just I'm meeting these great people in Austin who are really talented, and songs are happening, and I'm going to record it at home. And a, a lot of the songs were recorded in the bedroom that became my son's bedroom after he was born. So. Uh, it, you know, when I listen to it, it really takes me back to being in that space and feeling in that time when so much great stuff was was happening and about to happen with the birth of my son. And uh, you know, on a personal level, you know, listening to it really takes me back to that. Um, and again, spending time with the people who I made the music with. You know, uh, I wrote a lot of songs with Carrie Clark, um, from, uh, who who I was, was in a band called 16 Deluxe with Jeff Colby, who plays on the record. And they their friends, and uh, one of those one of the songs I did with Carrie and Jeff is on the record. Um, George Duran is was in a band called The Summer Wardrobe, and he does a lot of session work in Austin. Uh, at one point, him and John Leon, the pedal steel player, and John Sanchez, uh, guitar player who plays on one of the songs, uh, they they backed up uh, Rocky Erickson, um, and so George plays on a number of songs of drums, and he was kind of the anchor of a lot of. Um, the momentum of kind of like, okay, I'm recording, I'm making songs and it's sounding good. Um, With uh, other folks who played on the record, um, Jeff Lash was a guitar player who I met in Austin. I saw him in a band and, and, and just thought he was an incredible guitar player. And I didn't, I, and then I, I never met him that night. I'm like, who's that guy that played in that band? So I would ask people around Austin, Hey, I saw this band at the continental club. I don't know who they were, but there was this guy and he looked like this and he had this type of guitar. And so I finally met him and we would just hang out over guitars. And that's how runways high happened was kind of just by hanging out with Jeff and coming up with chords and, and, um, and talking about the bands that we liked. And then let's see um, Byron Reynolds. Who uh, I played with in Van Later and Pastor Dixon. He's on two songs, and uh, and then Tony Scalzo from Fastball plays piano on a Happy New Year.
0: Wow, wow.
1: So this was really, you know, it's really refreshing to hear this because it sounds like it was pure passion, you know, just what you wanted, without any pressure, without any necessary direction. It was just. I like the collaboration. I like the song, and here and here it is. And I recorded it at home. I mean, what good vibes are in Desmond's bedroom as a little baby? That yeah. To have you know these music vibes in the room—that's just a good yeah. setup, no matter what. Fe- so it was just pure Feature passion, Matt? Yeah,
3: I, I would say for sure with just making music and not really caring where where it winds up. But then the flip side of that is it doesn't get released for 10 or 15 years. And then you're the one who releases it. On, you know what I mean? Right. It, it, there's a flip side to it for sure, but I have no problem with that whatsoever because I've, I, I'm i proud of the record. And like I said, it really brings me back to, um, to a lot of happy memories.
0: Nice, nice. Well, if you don't mind, Matt, we wanted to see if we could just quickly run down the track of songs and see if you can uh, tell us a little bit about each of the songs, if you don't mind. The album starts off with Runaways Hide, which, as you mentioned, you co wrote with Jeff Lash. Tell us about this song. Um, yeah, that, that song,
3: it really started with sitting over guitars, like I said, with Jeff and kind of playing around with chords. And um, I kind of came up with the, with the modulation trick where it keeps changing key as it goes along and keeps going up a half step. And, it, it, and I think that gives it that lift. And I think once that uh, clicked, then I knew that it was a song that was worthwhile recording.
0: Very cool. It's a great way to start it. Mm-hmm. And I noticed uh, a little bit uh, in the lyrics, you mentioned the phrase, when the plane touched down. And I think I've mentioned to you, I, this album to me feels like it's a concept album. I don't think that it really is, but you talk about leaving New York City, flight to LA, some of these songs. And it sounds like a, like a traveling life kind of concept to me. And, and plane touched down. <laughs> Starting off the album ha- make, gives it that feel uh, mm-hmm. of starting this concept of, of life and m- and moving and changing and, and mm-hmm. progressing to me personally
3: yeah and, and that was something for me listening to it after the fact and putting it together and sequencing it um, uh, uh, travel or, or uh, you know, relocation if, if those are themes. I do see that pop up throughout it um like wheels um for example that's about my my dad having a stroke and and the time that i spent with him afterwards and and so in some way that had that that relocation thing of knowing he's he was going to move on in in the way that he did um so yeah i i agree with you it wasn't intended to be a concept record at all and and i don't think it is per se but i think there's a theme certainly because i i literally moved and relocated to austin um so so that that was part of it too.
1: And then the second track, Rail, you've got this badass line in it. I think this city's so cold-hearted. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nobody's watching the That, that, that's my favorite
3: on the record. Um, it's, uh, I was living in North Hollywood near where they put in the subway.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
3: so, I, and I used to hear it. I used to hear the sound of them drilling into it, which was you know, at least a mile or two away. And uh, so I would, I would see the progress of them ripping up the old rail lines that were, became the bus line, the orange line, and, um, and put in the subway. So that was what informed that lyric.
0: Got it. I love that, and that lap steel is. I think I was telling you before. It's, it's not one of those lap steel parts that are, are, so obtrusive. It's just, it's subtle, and it's just gorgeous in this track, in my opinion. I just love that lap lap steel part.
3: Yeah, and and that's John Leon. That's testament to his playing because he's such an impeccable musician. And uh, at one point, there's the fuzz, putting fuzz on on pedal steel um (laughs) it it just sounds great when that kicks in it's like a burrito brothers thing and i love that band and and being able to record a pedal steel player was fun to do too
0: yeah yeah so did he also play on the next track on when you do a cover of beck's um lost cause song is that also yeah yeah okay yeah and
3: happy new year he's on on those three songs right
0: right yeah so i was really glad that you did the cover of the the Beck song "Lost Cause," because uh, that 2002 album Sea Change" is my absolute favorite Beck album, along with the 2014 "Morning Phase" album that he did. So it was really nice, and your interpretation of the song is just gorgeous. And with that lap steel, it to me it it feels like Austin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks.
3: liked that song and i'd heard it and liked it and i, I remember just playing it on acoustic guitar and i kind of came up with that arrangement of the of of uh kind of a, a quicker tempo i think um and uh i, I you know with approaching something like that it, it's kind of like thinking of how the birds would approach these dylan songs where they would prettify them and just add harmonies and 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 kind of tighten up or maybe make it a little brisker so i think that that might have been an idea that I had for that arrangement.
1: And then, Happy New Year.
0: Yes, yeah. this, ha- this has to be a theme song for for <laughs> for, for, for New Year for, from from now on for me.
2: <laughs> it's gonna be a happy New Year, and the ground's just as cold as yesterday, and the night's.
3: I wrote "Happy New Year" when I was 19 years old, what? Um, and I what? It, it, yeah, it was a it was a, a song that I did with my first band, and I it, it's on the ventilator record, the first ventilator record, and um, uh, you know, being around these these musicians in Austin, I just thought, wow, it'd be great to record this song and and have pedal steel on it and maybe a piano, and I and uh, um, that that we did the basic at a studio in Austin called Cacaphony, and and uh i got um i asked george john and john sanchez another tremendous guitar player uh in in austin to contribute to it and tony scalzo played the piano on that like i said um and i just kind of wanted to do it and and i still believed in the lyric and the sentiment and uh, i think it sounds pretty good we yeah,
0: agree yeah totally we totally. agree yeah. so then if this was an lp this would end side a or side one <laughs> is compilation tape where you sing, You Are Several of My Favorite Tunes. So like most people in our age group, I would imagine everybody remembers making compilation tapes. So this definitely strikes a lot of um, good memories in in my book. Um, what what made you decide to go ahead and write a song called Compilation Tape?
3: Um, you know, it's like, like you said about making comp- compilation tapes back in the day. And, and we, we would make these tapes for ourselves, and we'd make them for people that, that we cared about and uh and and i kind of the idea of the lyric was well you know what if you made a compilation tape for someone you wanted to get to know and then never did kind of like an unrequited love song and then you spend more time with the compilation tape than you do with the person <laughs> so that, 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 that that's the idea behind the song um uh yeah and i and i really love byron's drumming he's just it just kicking ass throughout that song so so it made it fun to just track those guitars and go nuts playing playing on top of what he did
0: yeah yeah i've that situation definitely applies to me i know and i can think of two instances where i spent days making compilation tapes for girls in college and i never even gave it to them because i was too scared <laughs> <laughs> i know
2: the feeling yeah
1: Oh my gosh! Well, let's let's flip the imaginary album over to what we what you and I are gonna deem at side two. We've got you are my radio. Lost, tossed in the front
2: row. Crush. I was caught up in the rush, my grip gave home, where did you go?
1: And this is, uh, the arrangement of the song to me is really, really intriguing. Talk to us a little, give us a little back- background about this song.
3: Um, this song was one of the first ones that I co-wrote with Carrie Clark and Jeff Copas helped too with the music. And, um, you know, writing with Carrie was great when I was in Austin because we, re- we really talk about, well, what is this song about? What is this lyric about? Well, this, this character or this person that, that's, singing these lyrics where's where their heads at and so with, with with you are my radio the idea was and this is from my perspective of it is like when I was a teenager and I'd go to Hollywood Palladium to see a show and there would be all that energy and then at the end they would just kind of flip the lights on and you'd be like what what just happened we were in this space and now it's like, you know, the, now it's time to go. And um, and the memories of driving home afterwards where it just seemed criminal to put on the radio because your ears are still ringing and, and, and all this excitement from having seen the band that you saw. And uh, um, th- that was what the idea with, with the lyric was. And we recorded a version of that in elevated lines. And I felt compelled to record my version um, to kind of just do what, what in, in my head, what was a different arrangement, mm-hmm. which was, is kind of based off of um, um, uh, New Age by the Velvet Underground, that kind of, the, the, the drum, the big, the big ending with kind of the the, the with the drum, the drum playing. I'm playing mm-hmm. drums on the song on my oh. radio, the one oh. song I play drums on. And so I, I played, I, I played that, and so I, I, I came up with the arrangement I did. And it's different than Elevated Lines, but um, I think it sits well in the in this record.
0: Well, look at that. Yeah, yeah. So for me personally, three of my favorite songs are on the latter half of this release, and this is definitely one of them. Um, there's two things I really love about your voice, Matt, and that's one of them is um, sometimes the vulnerability in your voice is just, absolutely beautiful and another thing is your falsetto and there's in this song there's kind of like a john lennon type falsetto and i i just absolutely love it and um for our listeners who know that matt was a part or is a part of permanent green light this is not a permanent green light release by any means that this music is different but in my opinion this particular song is the closest that you'll hear to a permanent (laughs) green light song in my opinion um but yeah, for sure the rest of this is is definitely not a permanent green light release. But um, I did note that the drums at the end were were interesting. I love. I think you're doing like a snare tom thing that kind of um, propels or um, brings the song to an ending. and I think it's really effective. Thanks. Yeah, that's great. All right. So next up, you uh, you were mentioning about wheels and your your father um and i was talking about the falsetto i really love the line where you sing the walking down the streets that your children that line Drums sound a little bit harsh on this song to me. Um, yeah, yeah. Is there? Yeah, uh, was there a reason aesthetically that you decided to go that route?
3: Um, that's a good question. Let me think about that. Um, first, thank you for all the kind words on on the the
0: previous song we talked about. I
3: appreciate that. Um, with with this song, I you know I, I I wanted to distort the drums, and I'm I, I figure I probably put on that treatment on the drums like yeah this sounds really powerful and and when I listen to it now I did recognize this this does sound aggressive this the sound it sounds edgy and um and then my vocals also distorted and the guitars distorted so um like I mentioned it's about my father after he had a stroke you know he 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 would we, we would talk and we'd sit together and he would just say far out things and you know he would be looking at me and I'm like does he know who I am and, and and he would it it would be it would be very psychedelic experience hearing him say the things he'd say where he'd look out the window and he'd he'd tell me that he saw my sister when she was you know the, oh there's Betsy out there you know and you just wonder is he peering out the window and seeing 1976 out and you know what I mean like outside mm-hmm. the window and it was, it was it was something else and then all of a sudden he would say something to me completely clear that would would show okay he does know who I am. And then we would veer back off into something um, wild. And, and I, I have a lyric in it that says – that talks about how he, he, he held up his shoe and he said he found the Constitution in his shoe. And oh. uh, and, and that took me aback. It's like, okay, wow, we're, we're off – this is far out, right? So, so I think maybe you know if I had to guess why it's distorted outside, I, I thought it sounded cool at the time. Maybe there is kind of an edginess about singing about your dad having a stroke.
0: Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense.
1: You know, Matt, Jeff, and I talk a lot about track placement. You know, and the decisions where things go. And for me, these last three tracks are the most intriguing. But it, their placement, and I think like one builds onto another onto another. Just my own, you know, me as a listener. Talk to us about leaving New York City. First time.
3: Is about uh, uh, a friend of mine that it was in a bad marriage, and um, she was was in New York City, and um, that was what influenced the lyric, uh, or the, rather the subject of what the song is about. And it, for me, the, the like like the lyric that where um, she'll take a subway train for as far as trains can take her. Um, that lyric for me is two things one is that kind of desperation of just however i can get out of this i'm going to take but also that it's kind of a fantasy of the idea of like leaving for the day getting on a train pretending that you're leaving but then you just come back home and you're enduring this this
1: this situation you're in you know it's a it's a now hearing the explanation it's like there's even more vulnerability in this song
0: yeah. yeah and i definitely think it it comes out in your vocal delivery there's i think there's that that vulnerability that i love in your voice really shines on this one this is my favorite song by the way matt i think i told you that i absolutely love this song it's great um i don't yeah I, thank
3: you I, I was just to say thanks for that and uh that's one of the feedback i'm getting from a, of, of some of my close friends that are listeners it was that this that, that that song is their was their favorite too and i was like oh well that's perfect that i put it so far in the running in the, in the running <laughs> yeah. order that, yeah. you know that that's yeah. that's classic uh, matt <laughs> so.
0: i bet i'll be the only one to say this though i thought of jackson brown when i heard this song oh
3: wow yeah wow the, that, that's that's flattering
0: yeah the good jackson brown yeah i I've been listening to some of the the early Jackson Brown stuff after watching uh, the Laurel Canyon documentary that came out. And um, there's some great stuff. And there's parts of the arrangement on this that... Not not the whole song by any means, but just here and there. Um, And being the great song craftsman that he was, especially during those early 70s, uh, I think you also show your great song craftsmanship in this piece for sure Mm
2: -hmm.
3: well thank you thank you very much
0: so then up next as Soraya was saying and I think I've told you this too Matt um, it it does feel like there's a connection leaving New York City and then flight to LA comes Mm -hmm. right after that this song is an instrumental that you have where you're playing along with a drum machine and this is really unusual compared to the rest of the songs that you've put out on, on this release did this one work its way in
3: well around that time i was doing a lot of music on my own that sounded like that and maybe this goes back to that total lack of any sort of seriousness with with being ambitious about coming up with a certain you know style of music that's consistent through you know i I guess i wasn't thinking in the terms of of an album when i recorded these songs um but I, i i when i was going through all the, the mixes or the masters or whatever you want to call them, the files. I, I found this and I listened to it. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is cool. And this captures that side of what I was recording at the time. And it was titled flight to LA and this is 2009, I think when I recorded it. So when I recorded that song, and so I thought, well, this is cool. I'm going to put it in the playlist and it's going to be one of the songs. And then, then it just kind of filed right in there and made sense after leaving New York city. So it was kind of an organic thing that it, they filed in and, and, and made sense and sounded good. And I, I think it's a good break too before the album ends that, that, yeah. that, that song happens.
1: I agree. I agree. And then we've got Track 10, Take It Away. For me, this, you know, again, Jeff and I talk a lot about track placement and what begins and what ends. And this ending is, for me, it's a really strong end. And, uh, I mean, you've really taken us on a journey on that. You know, that's how it felt to me. And Take It Away, I think, is just this really great culmination of this album. Where did the inspiration for this come from? Um. The the lyric
3: is is about um, going living in a new town, and which is what I had done. I had moved to Austin and, with my wife, and um, you know bought, bought a house and pulled up roots and all that. And uh, so I, I wrote the song about being someone new in town, and uh, you know wrote the images that I did around that. The thing is, is the chorus is, is much different than the rest of the verses, and it's kind of obtuse. And, and again, like I've said, i, I would listen, I'd listened to these songs for the first time in years, and I was listening to it and thinking about what the lyrics, what I was going for there, and it, it's kind of like the, the verses is the, is the person who's new in the town, and then the call and response thing on the chorus is, you know, the people who aren't happy about the, this, this guy or whoever he is in town, and it's kind of that fear thing of like, you know, anyone could come here, anything can happen, you know, the, the people dying downtown. I, I think that that's kind of like, you know, the fear thing that leads to things like white flight where people are like, okay, let them have it. All these new people that are coming in to where we live that we don't like, you know? So, so it's, it, I, I mean, it, that sounds dramatic. That didn't pertain to me in Austin. My experience was very positive moving to Austin but, but there are those moments where you do feel a little dislocated where when, when you are in a new, right. new plot so I think that, that informs that song.
0: Wow. wow My wife relocated from Chicago to Southern California and she said she had two years, it took her two years before she felt like a Californian and it was two years of uneasiness where she felt like she was a foreigner in a foreign land
3: Yeah. Yeah. There is that there is that acclimation period. Again, my my experience with Austin was very positive, where I never felt like people were were being unfriendly. But I do. I do. um, My my parents, my we. I I moved to Los Angeles when I was two or three, uh, two years old. And um, we relocated from relocated from the East Coast and linda's parents did the same with moving from chicago and her dad from from the east coast and so we kind of joked to ourselves well we got, we have to move somewhere because that's the thing you do when you get older so you just kind of like you <laughs> get, you gotta, and, and, and and so that's what we did and that's how i wound up in austin was was kind of Let, let's go on an adventure
0: nice And in the song "Take It Away," you, you, there's the line where you sing, "I could get attached to you," which is the one part of the song where it reminds me of Tom Petty. The phrasing reminds me of Tom Petty. Are you, are you singing about the city when you say, "I could get attached to you"? Yeah, or
3: I think where my head was at is whatever it is, whatever it
0: was that brought.
3: That person to the city oh, would it. be got would it. be like I could I could I could get used to this. I'm going to stay here. Is basically what that what that line means. But uh, but anything anything that makes a listener think like Wow, this is like Tom Petty. <laughs> That's a huge flattering thing. because I'm, like, I'm a pretty big Tom
0: Petty fan. It, the song certainly does not sound like Tom Petty, but that phrasing of that one line. Yeah, yeah, Tom okay. Petty. Well, I have that. I have that
3: one line. <laughs> so,
0: I'm good. I'm good. And speaking of the one line, there's a there, there's a one part where you quip, "This is too fast." Like you're saying to yourself, like, "I." And I feel like, are you playing it too fast? What, what's that about? <laughs> is too
2: fast so so
3: that song is i, I had recorded different versions of that song and different tunings and different capos and um uh so I had recorded that song and I was singing backup vocals and it, it, there was something musical happened at some point where I said this is too fast like note to self
2: when you finish this
3: <laughs> fix that so i left it in
2: the,
3: the, the, the comment and it's just it's it just kind of funny and it uh and it, it it just it just seemed to work in its own weird way so it, yeah. it's in there and and i, I can't remix it the session oh.
1: <laughs> that I,
3: I recorded with if i wanted to take it out of there i couldn't so it just kind of like you know and, and that was the nice thing about working. i'm telling you m- releasing a record 10 or 15 years after you record it is it, a really positive experience because you do, you're not plagued by these indecisions of, well, what if we mix this louder? It's like it's done. It's <laughs> <mixes are> done. <laughs> so that was one of those songs. Well, all of them were, where just like, this is it. This is where, where things landed. And, and I'm cool with it. Cause I did spend a lot of time on the, on the music, making sure that it hung together and I was doing it, getting, getting the sounds that I wanted and in the right key for my voice and whatnot. So, so, um, yeah, there was a lot of work went behind it.
1: So it sounds like it was a really liberating process putting this out ten to fifteen years later. Where you go, you know what? It's if it sounds good to me, I'm done. No, like not overthinking it.
3: Yeah, there was just and and especially with Bandcamp where you can just kind of release a record and and uh, uh, there's no kind of the machinations of of the music industry uh for better or for worse there's a lot of good things about having someone else release your record they pay for things and they ideally let people know it's out there and so um i don't have to worry about <laughs> that with this um so so it, it was just i yeah i was very happy to, to to be able to have it see the light of day in the way that it has with with me just putting it on Bandcamp. and then thank you guys for for wanting to talk to me about it
0: yeah absolutely so um, there's no physical release. If it, anybody wants to get Matt Divine's "Distant Present," you can get it on Bandcamp, only seven dollars. And we're shooting to release this on Friday, uh, November sixth, which is Fee Free Friday for Friday. Bandcamp, which means the artists get a more uh, a higher percentage of the sale. So if you're listening to this on Friday the sixth. You can buy it for $7, and Matt will get a little bit more of the money than normal. And if it's after that day, buy it anyways. <laughs> Matt will get a, a few you pennies. Won't,
1: you won't regret it. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah definitely you definitely won't, won't regret, regret it. it but, but Matt, we did want to um, not stop there, if you don't mind. We wanted to talk more about your Austin years. And you mentioned uh, your time with Carrie Clark and with Elevated Lines. And Elevated Lines was a group that you worked with, Carry On, and you guys had a couple releases, I believe, maybe a full length and an EP. Is that right? Yeah. And we were flipping through the songs, and we noticed that one of the songs, Evil Eye, that you co-wrote with Red Cross's Jeff McDonald. Am I reading that correctly? Correct. How did Evil Eye come about? How did you end up co-writing the song with Jeff?
3: Um, well, you know, I, I, I was and am an enormous Red Cross fan. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I saw Red Cross a, a lot. And, you know, the, around the Neurotica era in the beginning was when I, I first saw them and um so i i got to know jeff over the years from being a fan and then through bill bartell and michael Quercio um in the Perma green light days so uh, around 98 or 99 um we just started uh um talking on the phone and we hung out a couple times and uh, he he shared what he was working on and, I, and and we we came up with that that song of evil eye and um that was it it was there was a demo that was recorded and when i was working with carrie and just you know sharing songs and stuff i played her the demo and she fell in love with the song she was like i want to sing this so um i I let jeff know and jeff was like great you know do it and uh
0: there it is Uh, it's a great track it's a great track
1: excellent track
0: and another track yeah, that I'm, I'm, I... Oh, I'm go proud ahead. of it, too. Yeah.
3: Well, I was just going to say I'm proud of it, too, because, like I mentioned, I'm a big Jeff McDonald and Red Cross fan, so to be able to uh, write a song and uh, with him, co-write a song and, and have it see the light of day is, 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 and have it sung so impeccably by Carey, um, it, 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 it's,
0: it's a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great tune. And that the last tune on that record uh, by Elevated Lines is Monorail. I think... If I'm not mistaken, you wrote that one as well? Yeah. It means a lot To afford another
2: ride The times that we share Avoid the city life Wave to your friends Wave to everyone On the monorail yeah, the time that we haven't spent Is time we are going to spend Together Go Uplog the floating train we never felt this way But they only cluck by the
0: empty train Can you tell us about that particular song? And so did you write it and then bring it to, to Carrie as a, a possible track for Elevated Lines?
3: I, Elevated Lines was, was great because it, it wasn't a band in a traditional sense. There, there was times where it was, but a, a lot of times it just became kind of like an art collective in a way, or, a, or a, you know, a, a, a pop collective or whatever you want to call it, where different people would write songs um there's a great songwriter in austin he he, he was he's a uh, he was in a band called the young heart attack and he was in 16 deluxe to too. his name's um stephen hall he, he wrote a song and we recorded that carrie and i wrote songs um jeff copas was in the band he played bass and uh for for and uh you know we the recordings happened in in different studios or different places and i had recorded monorail on my own byron reynolds is drumming on it it was something that i started in la before i moved to austin and i came up with the arrangement and i showed it to carrie and i go carrie I, i think you should sing this and she sang the hell out of it i mean she sounds so good on that recording and and she she came up with the synths at the end the big crazy synth washes that are, is, is kind of the sound of the, the monorail at the end, you know, swishing through whatever, whatever, you know, futuristic monorail system. Uh, that, that, that all turned out really well.
0: In all of these years that you were in Austin, it sounds like you were pretty productive, writing and recording music. Would you say?
3: I I mean, yeah. I mean, again, there's not a lot of ambition here. Again, for better or for worse, it was really, you know, at at um, everyone's convenience and just and just for fun. And you know, inherently, there's going to be certain frustrations with that where. You know, when you do a recording, you're like, "Wow, this sounds really good." And then, you know, if it comes out, it is what it is. And and I i kind of divorced myself from any expectations like that. And 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 I still I still am. I for me, releasing music now is it's only for fun. And if someone enjoys it, I'm I'm thrilled with that. And it doesn't need to be anything profound. And so to do as much music as I did, I had a I had a small studio in Austin where I would hang out with friends or I'd record on my own and it, it was it was all for for fun to do what it is I wanted to do
1: you know I I like hearing that reflection on how this was just a different moment in your in your artistic trajectory so I want to ask the question what did you learn from that time in Austin that now influences or at least runs through your current music or thoughts about music? I, I think having
3: no attachments to an outcome, I think would be one one piece of it where, you know, a, a lot of times in life you have expectations or you, you hold on to things expecting a result. And when that result doesn't happen, then that's where, you know, you, you, you get bummed out. And so, um, the idea of just doing something for its own fun you know a lot of times with well i would say almost all the time people start playing music because it's fun and they want to hang out and they have a great time Mm and that's how every band begins is a lot of laughter and fun and then over time that if a band gets any sort of momentum with some degree of success then that's when all the the weirdness of the heartburn or or whatever it is and so the idea of returning back to that, that initial thing of like, you know, I just want to record music cause it's fun. And I, I, I'm able to do w- what I do on my own and I can make decisions on my own. And it's not as if I need to make the decisions on my own, it's just, you know, it's the, the collaborations that I had were with people that I thought were cool and were friends. And, and to me, that's the best, the, the best way to do it is when you're doing something for fun and not attaching that those expectations
0: to it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That sounds like a, a perfect takeaway from from that environment. I'm so glad, Matt, that you decided to release these songs so we could hear these and th- you're not sitting on them. W- what do you say, Soraya? Sleep on it? I'm glad you didn't sleep on these songs <laughs> and, and let them just sit on your file. So uh, for our listeners, please go to Bandcamp. There's a couple different Matt Devines or Matthew Devines so I wanted to make sure that you get to the right spot. So if you do matt-divine.bandcamp.com, you'll get to our Matt Divine. <laughs> and, and, Thank you. Yeah, so we want to make sure you're looking for a distant present. And um, could we possibly see, you mentioned Brad Laner, who I think releases a Bandcamp release every other day. Can, can we uh, see uh, perhaps another Matt Divine release on Bandcamp? Are there more songs that um, are on that computer?
3: There are, for sure. Mm. Um, I, I definitely did, did, when I put this together, I, I picked what I thought was the best. You know, in this COVID era, because we have all this time on our hands, considering, right? Right. You never know. All right.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Well, like with this election, I have hope.
1: Yes. <laughs> well, thanks.
0: Well, I, Matt, I really appreciate that you took time to walk through these songs and talk a little bit about the other projects that you worked on during the Austin years. We're huge fans, as you know. And, uh, I'm again, I'm so thankful for this release. Uh, a Distant Present is, is an amazing release. I love these songs. And... Uh, just really happy that you took time to walk through it with us. I really appreciate it.
3: Well, thank you both for having me on. I'm I'm glad you like the record, and and I appreciate it very much.
0: All right. And we'll have you back on for that next release. (laughs) (laughs) Am I being pushy, Soraya?
1: Uh, Matt's not going to let us within 200 feet of his laptop, so I think we just need to be quiet and walk away. (laughs) But thanks again, Matt. Great album. Thanks, all our listeners should definitely go get it ASAP. Indeed. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was a First of all, it's always nice talking with Matt. Yes. Um and you know, Jeff, I find it really interesting that we've had in the span of what like 3 episodes, we've talked to two different people, Steve Wynn and Matt Divine about a particular period of their artistic production. And I like listening to them talk about what those years mean to them and how their playing or writing or arranging just was different during that time. And I I, I like hearing those reflections. So it was just really neat hearing from Matt. And also I thought it was really cool that uh, quite a few of his songs saw different interpretations while he was in Austin. Yeah. That was really neat.
0: Yeah. I definitely think you can hear the influence of that city. Um, yeah. As most of our artists that we talk about are LA-based and you can hear a lot of LA in the songs, but in this particular release when Matt spent that again, and you referenced Steve Wynn, that decade that Matt spent in Austin you can hear it particularly with on the the Beck track and on yeah. Ra- rail I and maybe it's because there's that lap steel part in there but it feels like Austin to me and um
1: a different vibe
0: yeah different vibe a completely
1: yeah. different vibe and I mean all artists talk about how you know whatever they recorded when they were maybe first on the scene and then move forward 20 odd years, they change, you know, no one's ever the same. And that's why this, I, you said it at one point, you're all, um, about, um, sorry, the cat is taking into my leg. Um, you said this is the most PGL sounding, but it's not a PGL track. And that's the thing is like, yeah, You never let go of your influences. You never let go of who you are as an artist. But this record, all these tracks, are definitely like a reflection of all the different people that he was working with and meeting and getting inspired by. It is an Austin record.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I love when you guys were talking, when you asked about the release at the beginning and Matt was talking about the title with a distant present and his explanation with that. It's, and again, it ties back to that, that time. And as he's listening to these songs, it reminds him of that period of his life and just brought him back to, to that time. That was a little while ago that he's a little bit removed from at this point, but it brought him back that period of his time to the present. And so I love that a distant present yeah and in in that name and the meaning that it has because of um, what he shared with us today
1: I, I think it's really interesting to hear him reflect on this album and like there's this very very evident joy you know where he said uh I wrote down what he said because I. He said there was no ambition whatsoever <laughs> with these songs. Yeah. And you know, at first it was kind of jarring to hear it because I'm like, what What the hell do you mean there was no ambition? Because it doesn't sound like a lackluster song. Like no. When he said it initially, my he caught my attention, but as he explained, he said, I did it because I wanted to. I did it because I liked who I was working with, or I wanted to work with this person. So there was no agenda. It was just a song, and I did it in my house, and, you know, I did, there was a joy about it. And with that joy came no connection, no agenda, just do it. And he can still talk about it in that way, you know? I mean, we've seen him. He's an amazing musician. And some of the things that he comes up with, like um, when he was talking about some of the distortion and the, you know, distorting a, a lap steam, you yeah. know, Distorting and, you know, adding fuzz to it. You know, he comes up with some really interesting things. And just to think like, oh, you know, I thought about it. I'm going to do this. But there's no ambition, you know, to it. There's no thought. <laughs> I just said... So he was free to experiment. Free to He was to free to take it wherever he wanted. And that's what I think is really interesting about this release. It's like there's an undercurrent of just joy and experimentation and just seeing where it goes. Yes. And I think that's really refreshing. And, you know, we've talked to a number of different people and different bands, and... When they talk about the projects that they were fully invested in that reflects their spirit, it, 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 you can't you can't help but not love the songs because you feel that you get it, and this does that
0: yep, absolutely. It does translate as a listener, I can feel that, and hearing all this um the inspiration behind the songs and um uh, just his overall feel it it just makes this some even that much better as a listener, so thank you for spending this time with me as we talked with Matt. I appreciate it because it's a it just makes this this experience of listening to this that this record that much better. I'm glad we did this, soraya
1: oh, me too, and for those of you listening, if you haven't done so already. Go get it. Bandcamp. Matt Divine, Distant Present.
0: Yes. You oh, won't s- regret it. It's
1: $7. $7. Where are you going to find an album for 7 bucks?
0: Exactly.
1: Where you don't have to pay for shipping and taxes as well. Yep. Hello. And you support artists that give us good music. Absolutely. No brainer. Do it. Do it. Go get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: on that note, we better say goodbye so they can go go purchase the the album
1: Gente agrubiar.
0: Groove on Paisley People
2: I